I get to lead you through the next bit of our service. Uh, it'll be a little bit interactive, a little bit creative, not too much so, but uh, we're kind of finishing off just some things that we've looked at over the last two weeks, the first two weeks of, of, of the year, uh, looking through some words from a man called Moses in a place in the Bible called Deuteronomy. Uh, and the centerpiece of these words in many ways are the Ten Commandments. It's sort of how God wants us to live. Now, before I talk more about it, I just want to point your attention to something really cool. As a, as a cool side thing, I've got a few rocks here that David brought to me. The place where these Ten Commandments are revealed to God's people about how they should live is a place called Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai that we read about this morning. David has actually been there. You've climbed to the top of it, I believe, David. Well done. And it's a thousand metres higher than Mount Roland, I believe. <laughs> so quite a place, actually, if you can sort of imagine what it's like. And these are some rocks from there. So really cool to have that. Thanks, David. Um, the other thing I just want to set up is, is, is children or adults. I do have clipboards and pens here today for you as well. And I would like you to grab some. Um, parents uh, and adults, if you want to draw as well, Please come and grab some. Uh, don't, come on, Eddie, yeah, come on up, come on up. Don't, don't, don't do too much on your page because there's something very specific I need you to draw for me that I want you to take home today. That's, that's, that's something that you need to have uh, in your family, I, I hope. So doodle away, but do leave a page or at least a bit of a page spare to uh, do the activity later on. All right. Quick recap, if I may. Last week we said two things that each of us need this year. We need, and hopefully we want, more of God at work in our lives. We want God to do stuff in us. We want to experience him, encounter him, more of him. Second thing we need, and hopefully we want, our lives to make a difference positive difference in this world to the people around us. What needs to happen if this is to be true of us? Well, we kind of need to do a little bit of what we did this morning. We need to respond to God's love for us in Christ. God loves us. He's made the first step. He's initiated the relationship with us. Do we know it? Have we responded? How do we respond? We ask him. We ask him to move into our lives. We ask him to start changing us. We start asking him to give us the power, the wisdom, the insight to live the way he wants us to live. In other words, to be obedient. We want to be obedient. We want to be obedient because we get just how good and great God is and what he's done for us. He made us. He loves us. We're twice his. Remember the content of last week, right? So we respond to God by saying, this is what you, we want you to do. This is, this is how we want to be. We want to be obedient. We, we want to live this way because we get how much you love us. And then we get to the question of, okay, but uh, how do we actually do this? How do we stay solid over a lifetime of growing into the people who God wants us to be? 
You know, God's going to want to keep changing you and keep working on you, keep growing you. There's people here in this building who have been doing that for 80, 85 years. There are a lot more done, perhaps, than I am, (laughs) but not finished yet. Some of you here today, we haven't begun yet even. Maybe you're at the point of saying, God, I want you to move in. I want you to start changing. But the fact is, it's a long process. What do we do over 80 years or 40 years? How does that process of God shaping us and making me more obedient and loving to him take place? What are some of the things that need to happen regularly? How did God intend for that to happen? There's lots of things, but I want us to look at the things mentioned in this little passage that we read this morning. There's some great, important things that you can do, that I can do, hopefully in the mix of our priorities this year, to see God's renovation of our lives, to take great strides forward. Okay, here's what it is. Let's dig into that passage for a little bit, and then I'm going to get you to feedback some things to me. Thanks, Mike. Here's a little passage we read. It's pretty much all there on one slide. And I want to introduce you firstly to the top two verses. In fact, can I ask you to do something with me? Can we please read verse 4 and verse 5 together? Can I count to three and we say it out loud together? One, two, three. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We're pretty much close to 100% certain. These words that we just said Jesus Christ said every day of his life, twice. And we have to wonder, (laughs) prior to him, for the thousands of years that people followed and lived as children of God, why they were so important. Why is it so important that the practice was so instilled in God's people that they said this, out loud, in the morning, I think it was evening, but, but twice a day. These words were said. They were words of immense weight and importance. What do they, what do they mean? Well, let me just quickly uh, chat about them for a minute. Did you notice there's a bit of a, a movement? It says, here, okay, here, listen, this is very important, that's that kind of here. Lord our God is one. One is one way to translate that. I'm not sure it's actually, I think, a better way to think it. The Lord our God, he alone is God. There's nobody else, there's nothing else in your life or around us in our culture or our world that is anything nowhere near as important as God. Here, here, O Etin, here, O Pathway, here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is God alone. Just him. He is all that, right? (laughs) The response... Love him. And then those words in blue. Or your heart, or your soul, or your strength. Your heart, 
bit of Hebrew, the word lev or lev. Um, that's the core of who you are. It's the deepest part of your being as a, as a human. The seat of all your values, uh, you know, maybe you could, sometimes it's, it's not like supposed to be this whole, um, uh, what do I call it, um, fancy word, the study of humans, anthropology, just supposed to be a makeup of what makes up a human being, but it's fair to say that your heart, when you're alone, where, where the, the centre of who you are as a person is described as your heart, right, your values. And you have to love the Lord your God in that place, the deepest place. That's where it starts. Deep, deep in you. But then there's this movement, the fancy word is sort of a centrifugal or centrifugal movement where things move outwards from heart, love the Lord with all your, what did it say? Your soul. Again, the language is a little bit unhelpful for us. Hebrew language, it's really your, your, your person. All of your hands, your feet, what you do, what you your whole body, your whole person is involved in loving God. It's, you could argue this is why we treat our bodies the way we do as Christians and God has something to say about that, right? This also person involves how you treat other people. Love the Lord your God with how you conduct your relationships with others. People. Community. Sorry? And lastly, the word strength can be a bit more helpful in language. Your stuff, your resources, everything you have. Your house, your car, your <laughs> every cent, every dollar, your cat, your dog. The whole lot, this statement is saying, is supposed to be put in the service of loving God. <laughs> it's pretty thorough, is the point. It's pretty exclusive pretty radical but that's the claim and then the question moves on to go okay if I'm going to love God like this how am I going to do it what's the way in which I'm going to back to the question constantly grow and get better and stronger in doing it well we get to the next part these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. There are people who take this literally. Have done throughout history. Write ten commandments on a little cylinder scroll. It's called the phylactery. They tie them on their hair. Write it on your hands. Write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Again, we see a movement. Did you notice that? It starts in private. It starts in your home. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, or when you get up. And then it moves out into the public area, sort of verse 89. As you go about, let it be evident in public as symbols on your hands and on your foreheads who you are and how you live. 
write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Gates, often in the ancient world where cities were, were sort of where the courts were, where, where like our court system, if there's a critical court case, it gets done at the gate of the city. God says, write how I want you to live on those gates so that as you do court and decide on justice and what is right and what is good, you are reminded of who you are and how you're supposed to live. Okay. Now my question for you, let's unpack a little bit of this. How does this all apply to us, right? I want to talk about this private and public thing a little bit. I want you to tell me Feedback to me. What are some of the ways in which you, in your family, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your, yeah, in your household, how do you talk about God? What are some of the things you do in your household? Could be as informal, simple as possible. It could be as formal and rhythmic. If you're, if you're old and you don't have kids at home anymore, how did you used to do it? How was it done when you grew up? Just want us to cross pollinate a little bit. How do you talk about God, grow in God, marriage or family? Anyone brave enough to yell out? I'll repeat it a bit for the Zoom folks. Could be anything. Read his word. Sure, read his word. Thank you. I'll, I'll get thanks. Tom. Tom said read his word. Yeah, any particular way in which you do that, Tom? Like after meals? meals? Yep. So do you and Renska still do that? No, no, because no, 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 I want to put you on the spot. I want to know, particularly for marriage. Often we think about this for kids. I think it's very important that we do it in our marriages, yeah, but you guys did it around meals, after meals, as the kids grew up, and that's when you read, uh, just straight out of the Bible, yeah? Um, yeah, thanks, Don. Tamara? Um, it's the way that I love my kids. Yep. Mm. I want them to, to see that and for that to be their, their normal. Thank you. That's really cool. So Tamara says, you know, and, and I love your contribution because, let's be honest, this is great. What if you're the only Christian in your house? What if your spouse is not a Christian? What if your kids aren't Christians? How do you do this? You know? Um, this, is, this is a really, really great contribution. And in my readings on this passage and how we as Christians live it out, I did come across... Uh, one author at least who said this has a fair bit to say to us about physical decorations in your house as well and they said that there's in some ways a very valid way to say does the way your house look represent <laughs> that God is all about this house <laughs> put up stuff on your walls uh, whether it's ornaments whether it's verses framed whether you write on your walls very valid way, yeah, and so you're doing that, and, and, and yeah, love it, thank you so much, yeah. Any others? Kids, any kids here, what are you guys doing, mum and dad? What is, any, any people, yeah, go for it. Sorry? Great rules? Great fools, great fools, sorry, great fools, yeah. Oh, how cool is that? So, so yeah, Tamika and Ella are just saying, Every time for dinner, name three things you're grateful for that God has done for you during the week. What a powerful thing. Um, talk about them when you sit at home. <laughs> talk about what God has done this week. Let us hear it. 
So cool. Anybody else? Maybe do one more and then. What do you want? Two more. Devotion books. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah. Great, so devotion books. Cool, yeah, love it. And when did you guys do that sort of uh, as meal times as well? Great, yeah. Thanks, Denny. Dirk, did you want to? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sure, so the authenticity of um, your actions kind of match your words and that creates a strong witness of, um, in a way, a tying of sorts, isn't it? Of, of these, uh, these commands and people see it in the way you live. And, and, and kids ask about it, don't they? Often in the home and then talk about them as they organically come up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everybody. I really love your contributions. Uh, we, we can do massive uh, conversations and workshops about this. Um, I'm not going to do more of it here, but I'm going to invite you as parents, maybe particularly for parents, one of the big things we want to do is uh, aid and help you in how we, how we do this as families. Now, Jess has done some work for us in this. We met with you earlier in the year, parents. I'd like to invite you again today, just after the service. If you want to grab a cup of coffee, we're just going to draw a bit of a circle here. Even if you're not a parent or a grandparent, join us. We just want to talk a little bit more. What are some of the things we can do, could do, uh, in doing this well in the home as families? And I invite you to that to explore further. But here's one more thing I want to leave with you. And kids, this is where I need you to draw or get your pens and paper ready. I'll signal the challenge for you. Do you want to write on your piece of paper for me those first two verses? It's called the Shema is the fancy word. Write the words down here and then put your name or your family's name in there. Here, the Wilson family. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. Can you write that in there? And can you decorate it the way you want to on that piece of paper? And when the service is done, I want you to come to me. I want to give you a bit of magnetic tape. And I want you to stick it today after this service on your fridge or wherever you stick those sorts of things. If you're an adult, can I encourage you to do something similar? Do it after the service. Consider picking one Bible verse that you want to say out loud to yourself every day of this year. There's an old story. I'll tell you the story and then we move on to finish up. Of a Jewish rabbi. I think I have told this before, so I'm embellishing a bit. Forgive me on the details. He lived in a place that was occupied by the Romans. One evening in dense fog, he got lost, didn't know where he was, and it was a dangerous thing to have been caught outside of the restricted areas where you were supposed to live. He wandered off course and out of the deep fog an aggressive, strong voice the Roman soldier bellowed out Who are you? The rabbi which is like a Jewish pastor in great wisdom 
responded, I'll give you $100, denarii, whatever currency, every day. If at this time of the day, I come here and you ask me that question, who am I? Do you know how powerful it is to every day remind yourself as a child of God's who you are and what your life is about? The reason Jesus said this twice a day to himself is for that. (laughs) Imagine him saying that. Here, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, my, my Father, My father is Lord. Him alone, he is Yahweh. He is the creator of all things. All things belong to him. Right? Recall every day what he's done for you. Recall every day that in light of that, you get to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. (laughs) Your life will simply never be the same. What a simple habit. What a simple truth. What a simple way to just press, impress into our hearts, into our minds, into, into all parts of our person and into everything else, <laughs> who you are and what you're on about. Do that, or at least in the, princi- in, in the principles and the practice that came out, shape the habits, shape whatever it is that you do to repeat the grand truths about who you are, who God is, what your life is about. There's a story, again, forgive me, I'm hazy on the details, but profound leader in the world who said if they could have one wish of what they could do or what could happen in the world, they said they wish that every child for the first five years of their lives, could be told every night that their parents love them. That will change the world. Why? Because habitual, rhythmic repetition of the great and grand truths of who you are changes everything. Let God tell you every day that he loves you, who you are, what he wants to do. Begin it this year. Set it as one of the priorities. If you take time out, remember ruthless elimination of hurry. Set your priorities now. Build it in. and Let it change you. (laughs) You see, this is how we do it. Do it. And God will take over and he'll shape you. Shape your life. Shape your family's life. Make great strides in 2023 and hopefully beyond. Now, let me finish off. Uh, This is sort of how we do it in in the private place uh, in, in, the, in the home. Public, I don't have a great deal of time for this today, so I'm going to race over it. Next week, we want to look at how do we do this impressing, talking, writing, binding well as a church. And so uh, Reggie and Peter are going to lead us next week to go, we're big on kids at church, if you haven't noticed that at Pathway Life, because we believe that we ought to grow together as a big church family, and kids are part of it. They need to teach us, we need to teach them, and how do we live that out well? It's a constant thing we want to grow in. We're going to press a bit further into that next week, but also over this whole year. How do we do this as a church family together?
Further than that, how do you live out your life in terms of binding to your wrist, to your head, at the gates into our community? Well, we know what we do in terms of our church's desire to reach particularly East Devonport, but, but the whole of Devonport, your neighbours at home, figuring out how we do that. What about your workplace? You might say, well, I don't work in a Christian workplace. Dirk's comment is really helpful. How do you live in your workplace? Do people know you love them, care for them? Are there perhaps one other Christian in your workplace? Could you pray once a week over your lunch break? Pray in that place. Uh, try and think and consider what does God want to do in that place? How can you pray for it? How can you be it? At school, we can ask the same thing. And further out from that, if we look at the gate analogy, what about our political processes? Justice and social justice. How do we live in a way that promotes our town, our country, our world to be a place where justice is done? All right. Let me finish off. Friends, if God is to be at work in your lives, if our lives will make a difference, our hearts, our persons, our whole lives need to grow in loving him. This will show in how we live both privately and publicly. And yet anyone who is sober-minded enough will tell me, I don't think that I can do it. In fact, even the songs we sang this morning, they were great songs. They always challenged me. I love you, Lord. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Am I? Could I? <laughs> Do I really even want to be? There's, there's this remote sense of knowing that if I look deep in my heart, I know who I am. I know that I'm not that. I know that if I look at heart, person, everything I have, there's at least a part of me that goes, yeah, I don't know if I really, really want that. <laughs> Let alone whether if I do have the strength and power to actually accomplish it, live my life fully like that. I'd be kidding myself if I think I do. But then, you know, where I need to go with that is the place we need to go with everything in our lives, back to the beginning, God's incredible promises. Listen to these, these promises that he gives to you, to me. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Yes, you do not really want to do this. Yes, you cannot really do this. But so good is God that he says, I know your deep problem in your heart, but I love you so much. <laughs> and I'm such a good deal that I will go into that place. <laughs> I want to come in there and change and tweak, fiddle with the settings of who you are at the very core of your being. I will make you want to do that. I will grow in you that desire. You come to me. You ask me, and he will do it. Wonderful words from Philippians to finish off with. I think the writer of this knows this battle within himself. 
And then he exclaims this in the end. He says, but you know what? I'm confident of this. He, God, who began a good work in me, he will carry it on until it's done. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Walk out of you with that assurance, that confidence, that despite how imperfect it is, like Andrew said, God will finish it. He will get it done. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've made a promise and that it's on you and that you will see it through. I pray on behalf of all of us here this morning, um, we come with you with mixed motives. The better parts of us come and say, yep, this year is the year. We take those steps and strides. We put in the rhythms and the practices in place. <laughs> we want that. And yet we know we're fragile, we're frail. By Easter, they may be all gone. <laughs> but God, would you this time, as we pray every time, come in a bit stronger? Come in a bit more powerful with your spirit into our hearts? Deepen our response to you. Give us a greater sense of your, your love and your majesty and your splendor. Stir in us such a desire, such a renewed heart that wants to live for something so much better. You, yourself. And then shape our persons. Shape our families. Shape our marriages. Shape our homes with the people who we live, if we're unmarried or without family. And Lord, let all about us love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh